0: All right. Hello and welcome to the Viva Albertos podcast. This is Ben Humphrey, the site manager at VivaAlbertos.com. I'm joined by Joe Schwartz, one of our editors. And we have a very special guest who are interviewing here today, uh, the newest member of the Cardinals family, uh, Ty Kelly. Ty, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, and I wanted to start off, this is the, the second time you have been traded and I just wanted to see what's it like to be traded?
1: It's always kind of an interesting thing. Um, the first time I was traded I uh, was was during the season. So I went to the field, and the manager called me into the office um, before a doubleheader, actually, and said, you've been traded. Um, the other team will get in touch with you. So it was pretty interesting to just pack up and leave um, in the middle of the season. This time, it was a little bit different. Um, you know, being in the off season and all, so got a lot more time to to think about it and, and get ready for a, for a new season with a new team. I've got I've got a chance to go in with a, a new mindset, so um, a little bit different. It's just kind of interesting to know that everything that you just did in the past years is going to change, and you're going to do, do that all over again with a new team.
0: And what's the process like? Does the team that acquired you, do they have a point person who reaches out to you to help kind of coordinate everything? Or is it just kind of they, like, send you an email, like, be here at this time? How does that work?
1: Yeah, um, well, your team contacts you first and and lets you know that you've been traded. um, and, uh, And then your new team will give you a call and say, welcome hopefully have some good things to say about you um, and uh yeah they just pretty much have good things to say um because they're trading for you so there is a reason uh, behind it so um they just let you know what's going on and um what the next bit at that point because you're pretty i'm um, just sitting there waiting uh <laughs> for someone to tell you what to do because everything. That you were so used to doing has um, change and you get to do it with a new team.
0: Um, so uh, right now, uh, you're in the middle of your off season, and this is something that I've always, you know, kind of wondered. Uh, in terms of your off season routine or your off season workout, you know, what's the average day like?
1: Uh, they're pretty busy. I'm. I live with uh, another professional baseball player down in san diego um who's in the giants organization so we are both um on the same page with everything as far as our workouts and our eating and all that um we wake up probably at uh, 7 45 or so and get to our first workout of the day um which is kind of a, a mix of i guess like weight lifting without weights and that combined with um, some yoga stuff as far as focus and um, concentration and things like that and then from there we go to we're working out at San Diego State University where we can do all of our baseball stuff and all of our weight lifting and everything like that Um, and then from there we've worked out for you know, probably like four hours or something like that, we try to do something else um, in the, the late afternoon. So a lot of times for us, we go surfing, um, and then we do it all again the next day.
0: And you mentioned diet, um, and this is something that's always interested me. Um, in Iowa, there are a couple Midwest League affiliates, And then we also have the AAA Iowa Cubs, but you hear a lot of times, you know, they just talk about, you know, like grabbing McDonald's while they're on the road and that type of thing. Uh, What is, what does your, how does your diet during the season differ uh, from during the off season, if at all, or is that something that you really try to focus on, you know, what goes into your body?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a big focus for me. Um. In the off-season, it, it's easy because we can make all of our own meals. My roommate and I are both really into cooking and things like that. And we're uh, very conscious of the way we eat. So we have pretty much a routine of the things that we eat all the time. Um, a lot of chicken, a lot of uh, you know, just kind of healthy stuff, uh, a lot of vegetables. And then during the season, it's definitely tougher um, because you you only have so many options, you know, especially for when you're in minor league cities, you don't know what's going to be open after the game if you're not eating at the field. And, you know, it, it can be tough to to try to figure out which places you can eat at and what kinds of foods you can eat um, because you only have so much available to you. So it's... Um, I guess it's kind of you, you hope for the best and um, and hope for things to be available to you. But if not, uh, you've got to try to make the best of your situation and figure out the healthiest um, item on some menus that don't have a lot of healthy things.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, if you're at a fast food place, there probably aren't a lot of things that <laughs> are particularly healthy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so. Yeah, you gotta to try to stay away from those places as much as you can, but you know, if if uh especially in the low levels of the minor leagues you're pretty much going to Applebee's after a game, no matter what city you're in, because that's the only place that's gonna be open. So you've gotta figure out um which grilled chicken item you wanna get every time you go to Applebee's. <laughs>
0: that sounds that sounds actually kind of awful. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um how much How much of your off-season routine is uh, based on feedback that you've gotten or directives you've gotten uh, from the team, and how much of it is just what you're doing on your own because you feel that's what you need to work on?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I used to hear people um, in the minor leagues talking about their team told them to work on something for the off-season, and I kind of always wanted someone to tell me that but they never really were saying anything to me specifically and at some point I figured out that for someone like myself I I need to be able to do a lot of different things to have success and to be able to get playing time so it's not about doing one thing getting one thing um, better it's you know it's just everything if I can add power and add speed and add um defensive range and arm strength and all that, then, you know, I'm going to try to do my best to improve on everything and not just, you know, just go out and, and run a 100 sprints a day and, and leave other things out, um, you know, so I think it's it's kind of, you've got to know who you are as a player, first of all, and then once you figure that out, you can start to hone in on certain skills and, and still... Um, just be growing in every aspect as much as you can.
2: Uh, what have the Cardinals, anyone on the Cardinals, uh, told you to expect uh, going into spring training and, and beyond? Have they like kind of said where what they see as your future plans, or at all, or have they just kind of welcomed you now and and we'll see when it gets closer to that date?
1: Yeah, they pretty much have just welcomed me so far. Um, they said that they, they gave me a few things that they liked about me, the on-base percentage, things like that. And they also mentioned that the fact that I can switch hit, um, you know, coming off a bench with a lot of other infielders, you know, no matter what level it's at, that, um, they have a lot of lefties in the system in the infield right now. So the fact that I can switch hit is, um, a big thing for me but they haven't told me anything specifically to expect i think that it's kind of hard for organizations to to want to um, say things like that because they want everyone to come out and play the best they can and, and um, hopefully you know there are unexpected guys that do well and hopefully everyone plays well and they have tough decisions to make but they don't really want to you know make promises or tell you exactly what they think is going to happen they just want to see everyone do well coming into spring training
2: and, and a follow-up question about the switch hitting when did you start switch hitting was there something that specifically made you want to do it because uh, i mean not everyone does it obviously and it, it's just kind of interesting to see why certain switch hitters start switch hitting
1: yeah i've been switch hitting my whole life it was something that my dad has just always had me do um he always tells the story that I was switch hitting in the backyard when I was like two or whatever as soon as I started swinging a bat that he would just say hit this ball and then all right now let's switch to the other side and hit it again and like apparently that's the start of it um but for as far as I as far back as I can remember I've been switch hitting and he's uh always been there helping me with uh, throwing batting practice and things like that so um, it's definitely a a lot more of a time commitment but you know if you're willing to put in that that time it's definitely something that pays off obviously.
0: How much how much more would you say you work on your swing because you have to work on it from both sides of the plate not just one side of the plate uh, like compared to your workout partner?
1: Yeah um You kind of have to, well, you have to treat it as two different players, basically, you know. Um, You have to to put in enough time so that you're feeling good from both sides. And it it can be tough because there will be one day that you feel great on one side and then the next day you feel great on the other side. And so it can be kind of tough to separate the two and and try to... uh, feel good from both sides but that was kind of something growing up um, my dad would always have to put in uh, extra time with me in batting practice uh, before practices and things like that because it really is like two different hitters um, so it, it can be tough at times but you just got to put in that that extra time and get some extra swings from both sides to make sure that they're both feeling good.
0: Now is that something you do daily or do you, you know, if you know that the other team's going to start, say, a right-hander, do you focus a little bit more than on hitting from the left-handed side of the plate that day, like during batting practice and in the cage?
1: Yeah, usually day by day we'll uh, figure out which hand the pitcher is and and go from there and kind of tailor the batting practice to that specific side. Um, but off season, definitely just kind of have a lot of things to work on from both sides. And you got to take it on an individual basis. So. Um, but, but yeah, in this season, you definitely change that up a little bit.
0: Cool. And that, you know, you make a great point. About the way that you feel and how comfortable you feel, because you know batting from either side of the plate, you know it's kind of the opposite, you know the opposite physical motion. You know, or, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's got to be tough to get that timing and rhythm down, uh, so you're feeling good from both sides of the plate at any given time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, um, it's especially with baseball when you're playing a game every single play. you can get perspective where. You don't these do for a oh, week after you have just hit lefties great for a week, and then you're in such a great rhythm. And, and seeing, that and then when you see another lefty, it's like, man, I was feeling so good before. What happened?
0: And uh, I know that you. It's been well documented that you have uh, a very patient approach at the plate. Do you do you approach uh, each at bat? the same regardless of whether you're hitting righty or lefty?
1: Even in, in a percent before, you know, when you're in a rhythm, you're probably going to be more aggressive um, and and a little more confident. So it'll change day to day that way as well. But um, uh, yeah, I think I'd like to go up there with the same approach from from both sides. It's just kind of if you're getting at bats from both sides then you have the ability to to go up there and be confident every time and be able to to take your best approach up there.
0: So if you're feeling more confident, maybe you're a little more aggressive, more likely to jump on a pitch you're looking for?
1: Yeah, I I think so. Um, Because sometimes, uh, if you're maybe not feeling quite as confident, you're going to take a pitch or two. Uh,
0: Having read up on you, Ty, uh, I've seen that you started out playing predominantly in the infield, uh, and then you've played some outfield uh, in recent years as you've been in the high minors and I've always wondered uh, what that transition to the outfield is like for someone like you who spent most of his time on the infield.
1: Yeah I I think it's an easier transition to go from the infield to the outfield um, because you're kind of just relying on athleticism in the outfield and obviously you've got to work on getting reads and stuff like that but Um, just kind of instincts and athleticism can take over out there um, which is why I guess they probably put a lot of the the more raw players out there and just let their athletic ability take over so um, it's not too difficult to to go out there um, and, and try to learn it a little bit but also I've been playing everywhere my whole life and that includes a little bit of outfield here and there so um, but it's uh, it's nice to be able to to move around and, and just be in the lineups however I can. Uh, what
2: do you, and this, this isn't really about position or anything, but what do you think that first uh, time in spring when you meet Matt Carpenter is going to be like? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it a bunch yet yet. Okay? but maybe i'll I'll prepare some questions for him and you know I'll, I'll uh, try to to pick his brain a little bit. And, um, I mean, he's such a good player and the the Cardinals have a lot of guys like that you know they're kind of they were maybe under the radar at some point and um, or undersized or whatever and have just um, played you know to the best of their abilities and and they're they're doing so well now. Um, so I'm I'm definitely going to try to pick some some guys' brains in spring training and you know, and see what it was like for them and see how they've uh, how they've been able to do so well.
0: Uh, what is it about Carpenter and Scudero uh, that makes you single them out as players you look up to?
1: Um, you know I think when you sit at home and watch guys on TV and they are somewhat similar to you um, they do a lot of the same things that you do and you're kind of just like man I I think that I could do that you know um, so they're, they're guys that are kind of um, they're holding it down for the, the undersized uh, guys that kind of get stereotyped and um, as being you know, like not big enough to do well, or with not a bunch of overwhelming tools, that kind of thing. You know, and, uh, which are a lot of the things probably um, that that I've been through. Um, those kind of stereotypes and, and things like that. So they're um, they're outshining that stereotype and and doing well. Uh,
0: when you're getting when you're getting ready for a game in the minors. Um, do you, how much do you rely on scouting reports and video of the opposing pitchers? Or are those uh, types of resources even available to you?
1: The resources are available, but they're wrong pretty much every time. <laughs> uh, it's pretty... I mean, minor league scouting reports, they come from different sources, and guys do different things on different days, so there was... One specific scouting report that sticks to my mind from this season, um, the scouting report, which ended up being incredibly wrong, was that the guy's fastball was, like, 90 to 91, and he had a a curveball, and that was it. And then the first pitch that he threw to me was an an 89-mile-an-hour splitter, and then he proceeded to throw 98 to 99. Um the rest of the inning, and that was pretty much the point where I realized that scouting reports may not be incredibly accurate every time in the minor leagues because you don't know what you're going to get on uh, any given day. So, that's something that I've heard a lot about in the big leagues, that the the scouting reports and things like that are, are awesome and um, the video that they go through, is, it's just not really something that you can rely on in the minor leagues, which uh, which makes it tough when you're facing a new pitcher um, uh, a lot of the time, and especially in the minor leagues when the guy gets brought up from another level or sent down from another level, you've got nothing on him and you've got to kind of feel out what he's got, um, so it, it can make it tough, especially for someone like myself who likes to see pitches and and know what the pitcher has to go up with uh, a specific approach for every different pitcher
2: i see that you had uh 14 of your 15 home runs last year were batting Mm -hmm. left-handed is that because that's more of a natural like power swing for you from the left side or is that just because you see righties more often or how would you explain that one
1: yeah i think it's a little bit of both um I think I'm, I've always hit for a little more power from the left side. Um, but I, I think that right-handed, I've been getting to a point the last couple years where I can um, go up and do well, have good at-bats, and, and still get a lot of hits, even if I'm not going to hit a ton of home runs. Um, but I, it's also something that I'm working on right-handed, um, just kind of taking... My know, singles and doubles kind of swing, and uh, and trying to to lengthen it a little bit to maybe add a little more power, but still be consistent. Um, so it's it's something that I'm I'm thinking about. Also, I, I, I like where my left-handed swing is at, and uh, just trying to to kind of still put it all together and, and keep getting better.
0: Um, can you kind of talk about I, and this is something else that has interested me and it's it's in terms of fielding you know moving perhaps back and forth between the left and the right side of the infield you know what is the what is the trickiest part about that uh that transition maybe from second to third and back
1: I think the trickiest part is, is just the different plays that you get at each slot when you play one position every day throughout the season you get all of the different plays at that, um, at that spot. You you know, there are so many small differences between you know, a ball right at you and a, a chopper where you gotta go field it a certain way. Um, and at, at third, there are a lot of balls that have top skin on them that make them tricky. Um, so it's kind of just getting a feel for all of those different plays and, and the way that you have to throw off of uh, on the run at certain times or or make a backhand and throw off your back foot, things like that, Um, that I think over the years, you know, you you make all those plays and it makes the transitions a little easier um, throughout the season once you've already made those different types of plays.
0: Uh, You talked a little about your swing. You know when you've when you're at spring training and and during the regular season, you know you obviously have coaches, and I've you know I've kind of often wondered what's the give and take uh, between a coaching staff and a player. Is it a situation in regards to your swing uh, where they're more hands off and more perhaps plate approach and philosophy based, or have you found that hitting coaches are maybe more hands on and helping you tweak uh, your swing mechanically?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's different for everyone. Um, every coach has kind of a different philosophy on what they want to see. Um, so, you know, and, and a lot of it depends on how your season's going. Um, depends, uh, you know, on, on what type of player you are for what different things they're going to say. So, I mean, it all kind of just depends, I think, probably different organizations um, like to do it differently as well, but for the most part, guys' swings are the way they're going to be at this point, so more time is spent on you know, preparation and um, being ready for each pitcher as they come, and um, not so much the the uh, technique and everything like that.
0: That's very interesting. Um I wanted to I also just kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about your plate approach overall. Um and, and there's been a lot written, particularly at Lookout Landing, um and a couple other places, about uh how selective you are and how you're you know, you're a lot like Matt Carpenter in that way. Um and one thing that I've noticed and it seemed to stick out particularly this year, watching Matt Carpenter day in and day out, is He seemed to get a lot of tough calls, called strikes that were probably off the plate um, that the umpires were calling strikes. And these usually occurred when the umpire was set up on the catcher's right-hand shoulder. And when the umpire's set up there, you know, they don't have, you know, they aren't right on top of that corner. And so there is a bit of guesswork there. And I was wondering, is that something that you've noticed, too, that that outside that outside strike when you're batting left-handed is something that you have to be aware of, particularly with two strikes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's something that you kind of have to get to know each umpire for what type of zone they call. Um, You've got to figure out where they're at each day. Um, And you'll see a lot of guys look back throughout the course of the game and and ask the umpire, is that the corner? Is that as far as you're going to go? Um, because when it comes down to two strikes, you've got to know whether you need to go out and chase one that might be a couple inches off the plate and try to foul it off, or if you can let it go and be confident that it's going to be a ball. Um, And I've also heard that that there are kind of scouting reports for each umpire in the big leagues too, which I think would be um, an immense help to to knowing um, where the zone is going to be at each game, and, and just to be able to go up there and be confident that when you see a pitch coming in, you know whether it's going to be a ball or strike, um, not just based on where you think it's going, but based on um, what the umpire is going to call.
0: How, how receptive are umpires? You know, if you ask them, you know, that's, you know, because it's a fine line, right? They're the authority figure. Mm-hmm. And they just call a pitch that you think is two inches off the outside corner, and they're calling that a strike. (laughs) And and I can see, you know, depending on a lot of things, maybe they take your questioning them the wrong way, or do they tend to be pretty receptive? uh, You know, when you ask, you know, that was on the outside corner or something like that.
1: Um, that That's another thing you've got (laughs) to you've got to get to know the umpires um, and and what they're able to take I guess as far as criticism Uh, I think that in the minor leagues you kind of see a growth as you go along with umpires that you can't ask them anything at lower levels um, because they assume that you're telling them that they're wrong whereas when you move up and you get to know umpires um, from just kind of the circuit you can have a conversation with them and ask if if they you know if they have a pitch on the corner you know if they're going to go any further off than that and they'll let you know. Um, but then there are still some umpires who who kind of take it personally, which makes it tough to um, get a gauge on where they're going to be at that day if they don't really want to you know hear your critiquing.
2: Uh, what are your plans for, like, are you going to go to St. Louis before spring, or are you just going to wait and go down to the Jupiter with the rest of the club when, uh, when spring training starts, or do you have anything Cardinal-related, uh, for the rest of the offseason?
1: Um, yeah, I have no idea, really. Um, I don't know how it all works, I guess, um... I guess if I am invited to do something cardinal related, I would do it. But uh, yeah, I don't don't know because I mean I'm I'm gonna be you know hopefully fighting for a spot on the team. Um, I I don't I know that nothing is guaranteed or gonna be given to me at this point. So um, I guess we'll I'll just have to see the you know the way things go. or if, uh, if something comes up and I'm invited to some kind of preseason type thing. But, uh, yeah, but I, I don't know at this point. I, I know that I'm planning on probably getting down to spring training a couple of days early and um, you know, meet some people and, and uh, get to know how things, are, how things work with the Cardinals and, and all that. So that's pretty much as far as I have planned at this point.
0: Um, Something that I wanted to talk about, uh, do you find that you change uh, your approach at the plate based on where you're batting in the lineup? Like if you're batting second, do you find yourself taking more pitches than if you're batting in maybe more of an RBI position like third, fourth, or fifth?
1: Yeah, I think just a little bit, though. Um, I think that... uh, you have to know what you're going up there to do um, so a lot of it's not so much just where you're at in the lineup but if you're put in situations with you know guys on base or um, things like that a number of outs that I think that dictates more of what you're gonna go up there and do each time um, because I mean if you're hitting lead off and you come up with The base is loaded, or something like that. You're not going to go up and try to draw a walk. You're going to try to drive runs in. Um, So I I think more than anything, it's the the game situation that will dictate that kind of thing. Because there have been a lot of times where I've hit third in the lineup um, and I think I've uh, kind of confused myself or or hit fourth or something like that and you think that you've got to go up there and and hit a home run or you know drive three runs in every time you know so you've got to still stay true to who you are and um, try to have good at-bats no matter what spot you're in the lineup.
0: Uh, You're interested in music and I was wondering is that something that you just kind of do as a hobby on your own time or do you perform shows are you in a band or anything like that
1: no i'm not in a band um and the only show that i've ever done was with a couple of buddies of mine we just played for a bunch of friends in someone's house so haven't made any money yet <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah i've always been i've always really liked music and my uh the things that I, the, the types of music that I like, have, it's just you know, they change all the time. So I'm kind of just always trying to to play different stuff and learn new things and you know, write stuff here and there. And you know, it's just a fun way to to kind of fill the time.
0: Well, we're getting we're getting toward the best of the year lists, you know, from all the music sites and all the you know the music publications. And I don't want to put you completely. Uh, on the the hot seat, so to speak but what are what are some of your favorite albums that have come out or maybe even that you've just uh gotten into over the last year?
1: hmm I guess you know I don't listen to a ton of new stuff that comes out, but if there were artists that are out right now that I like that i like uh i like alt j and um Imagine Dragons. Those are kind of interesting um, sounds and different. You know, I, I like stuff that's that's different. That's not going to be on the top forty, probably, or the pop charts or whatever. Um, so I guess those guys are are different enough uh, that I can listen to them.
0: And and what are what are like your five favorite bands?
1: Five favorite bands, uh, Sublime is probably number one. Slightly Stupid is probably number two. Um, I don't know how far those types of music get around the country. So I don't know if you've, if you guys have heard of like Slightly Stupid or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like, let's see, I'll try to keep it broad. I like, um, Radiohead. I like the Red Hot Jelly Peppers, and maybe the Doors. Oh, cool. go back a few years. Sure.
2: I have a question, or, or more of a statement, I guess. Okay. Uh, you know that uh, Matt Holiday, he's, he's one of the biggest guys in the league. Uh, okay. <laughs> he listens to the listen especially when he's working out. And I know you're not a big Creed fan, and I, and I want to know, I want you to set the scene for how that experience is going to go down in the weight room uh, during spring
1: training. Well, I assume that he's going to be doing curls,
2: or <laughs> bench press, probably.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to be somewhere in one of the four corners of the weight room, <laughs> staying as far away as possible, <laughs> or just hoping that he has no idea that I strongly dislike Creed oh
2: that's sorry I had to bring that up
1: <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna mention it probably
0: <laughs> well I, I think I've gone through uh, all of my questions Joe do you have any that are left
2: no I'm, I'm good he, Ty gave us a lot more time than, than I even thought so uh, I've everything that I've needed to ask I've either asked or you've touched on so I'm pretty good
0: Yeah, uh, Ty, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, We'll be pulling for you in spring training. Hopefully you make uh, the St. Louis roster, but uh, if not, I will be cheering you on when you come to Des Moines.
1: Well, awesome. Thank you guys uh, very much for having me on the show, and hopefully it'll be a good year and you can interview me in St. Louis.
0: Absolutely. Take care, Ty.
1: All right, thanks, guys.